When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast is part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club, a program designed to help all podcasts reach their full potential. For information about joining the Robots Radio Rocket Club, check out robotsradio.net. If you're looking for a spoiler-free zone, sorry, lovelies, you are in the wrong place. Hello, and welcome to the MCU Lorecast. I'm Psych88, and Shenko unfortunately had a uh, an emergency to deal with uh, at the last minute, so it's just me tonight, but I'm not alone. I am with our one and top patron, Penguin Ninja. Hello. And tonight, he has requested that we talk about our favorite fight scenes. Now, I, I feel like I can answer this one for Sh- Shanko anyway, uh, considering that she's uh, just goes off the rails when she talks about the elevator fight scene. So I feel like we're pretty well covered there. Um, but we're going to open it up to like our top three favorites and just kind of, you know, go about it from there. So uh, Ninja, what is your number three top favorite fight? Uh, my number three, I would, I would say, is the scaffolding fight scene in Shang Chi. Okay. Uh, oddly enough, it's one of those I haven't gotten to yet. Uh, with, <laughs> with all the research and everything, and having to rewatch, I haven't actually got the opportunity to watch the new ones. So, uh, break it down a oh. little bit for us, for me. <laughs> oh well. Um. Well, there it is. Shang-Chi is a heavily martial arts-based movie, so there's a lot of very fluid movement, especially around the bare scaffolding on the side of a building and the very smooth transitions between the different levels as they're fighting. It it is just a really uh, all-around... It's one of the best ones, really. Awesome, awesome. um, I mean... I've heard great things about Shang-Chi, so I've been looking forward to it. Just At this point, it's on the list to watch at some point. <laughs> um, so yeah. Alright, cool, cool. Um, then I, for me, I think my, my third favorite has to go to between Star-Lord and Ego. Because, uh, I mean, one, it's just zany and crazy, but it's also so uh, emotionally like fraught like like because you know he he breaks his you know, mind control or whatever it was going on because <laughs> hey son i killed killed your mom it's okay we're all we're gods i can do that and he's like hell no it's not okay 
so I and so seeing ego like one because he's ego he he can't fathom the idea that someone could stand up to him in such a way uh, so completely and then just you know making the Pac Man thing against the Stone Giant and and all that like and then just having that gut wrenching ending to it was I, to me it's great yeah I, I really enjoyed that one that the Guardians of the Galaxy movies have actually pretty pretty underrated like fight scenes and stuff because like even in one when they're i i forget if it's xandar but when they all first meet (laughs) when yes xandar where yeah where everyone's trying to get a different mcguffin uh gamora wants the the rock uh rocket and Groot want star lord star lord just wants to get away uh, and it's just absolute hilariousness so yeah uh and and you know that fight definitely showcases you know obviously it showcases each of their strengths um star lord is is clever he may not he may not be the best fighter but he knows how to like disengage in a way that's advantageous to him whereas gamora is a straight up uh striker uh rogue type and then you've got just the two powerhouse of one two combo of rocket and groot yeah that, that definitely makes for a very fun scene yes all right uh so what's what's your second favorite then my second would be uh iron man and war machine versus whiplash and the all the all his androids all right that, all right that yeah. that is that is just such a really really cool showcase for what uh what Iron Man can do with his technology, especially with the wrist lasers that he uses to just clear the field. <laughs> Get down. And Rhodey doesn't even bother to question. He just drops and done. <laughs> I mean, I can see why Rhodey was just like, why, why did you just do that? And he's like, well, you do that once. <laughs> but hey, they survived the kill box, which, you know, is exactly what you don't do when you're on the wrong end of that, right? Yeah. And then there's also the the part where uh, Rhodey tries to use the uh, rocket that he got from Justin Hammer. Uh, the ex-wife. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, and it, like it undercuts that the scene earlier when he outfits the you know, Mark II, and in that way, and that whole that whole build up about what the ex-wife can do, and the realization that it's not even a firecracker. <laughs> yeah, and you, you can see Rhodey was like, "I I should have expected that. I should have seen that coming." Yep, because he knows he knows Hammer because he knows you know he's dealt with Stark for for years at that point. He knows Justin Hammer. Uh, like this is while it's our first time to see him, it wouldn't have been uh, Rhodey's first first go at it. So he knows exactly what Hammer is capable of and and the depths of both his greed and his stupidity. So be, ha- having to hand over the Mark II to become the War Machine to Hammer had to really just like hurt Rhodey personally to be like, I have to hand this to a glorified. 10 year old yeah and and th- this also being the 
first showcase of the War Machine armor, which is one of my favorite Iron Man armors because it it I mean the the shoulder minigun. I mean, it's iconic at this point. But yeah. yes, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, segue a little bit, tangent off, uh, or whatever. Um, what did you think of the shift from War Machine to the Patriot? Uh, I wasn't crazy about it. I, I, I think they really should have just stuck with War Machine. Because, uh, honestly, I'm not, I'm not sure what they'll do with the Iron Patriot stuff. Since they don't have a well, as of this moment, don't have a Norman Osborn in the MCU. That is a good point. Um, we have not yet encountered the Osborns in the MCU. So, uh, and with Norman being the the one to, I recently reread the Dark Avengers and how he came to the conclusion that he could just merge Captain America and Iron Man into one thing so that it can lead this new iteration of really, really bad adventure. Um, really really bad avengers um so yeah um uh, without without norman osborne's madness to to really drive drive more of the iron patriot storyline like for the mcu it serves its purpose it's a misguided attempt by the u.s government to make superheroes uh regulated by you know by a military force and make it cool at the same time we all know how that works out, but you know it doesn't. <laughs> yep. Okay. Um. Then let's see here. It's my second second favorite. I have to go with that. The fight at the end of uh, uh, Civil War. It's you know between Iron Man, Cap, and Bucky. Again, I, I seem to like lean towards these you know heavily uh, emotionally fraught fights. But that fight in particular, just even with all, with, especially with the music and everything, it really packs those kinds of emotional punches. Because you know, at this point, none none of them are holding back. No. Tony's going to kill Barnes with every last fiber of his being, and if if Steve wants to stand in his way, then friendship be damned. <laughs> yeah, Iron Man isn't going to. He isn't going to pull his punches just because Steve is standing in the way. Yeah, um, and I, I, and, and you know you've got those uh, tight confines of of the area itself, so you know you know Tony's operating at a disadvantage already because he can't uh, he can't get in the air and he doesn't have any like maneuverability area. Whereas it works better to the more the two acrobatic fighters here between uh, Barnes and and Rogers. Um, so yeah, it like it was it was just very well shot. It was just and it hit all the emotional tones right. I, yeah, that's, and that that makes it. I mean, it's a close one, but when I get to my one, you'll. I mean, I think everyone will understand why. But that one's very very close. But it's number two. Yeah, it, it, and in the close quarters, especially with with Cap Shield, that is that that is, that is a kill box. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it's a, yeah it's a different kind of of kill box of of being stuck and basically in a uh in a box with a feral cat basically like you are you're not going to get out of that without getting hurt <laughs> all right so what makes your number one spot 
My number one spot is the is the big battle at the end of Age of Ultron. It, it just the the dynamic background of the city it floating in the air as they're trying to fight off wave and wave of Ultron drones. And at, although I'm not crazy about some of the parts, Quicksilver being done as dirty as he did. <laughs> yeah. It it is still one of my favorites. Now, I mean cuz you've got you've got Wanda figuring out, you know, kind of I'm not even saying the upper limits of her powers, but you know, just beginning to stretch those powers a little bit and realizing she can do more than just what's in front of her and manipulate all kinds of stuff. Um you've got, you know, the, the whole team operating kind of at 110%. Plus, we get back up with uh with both falcon and uh and and war machine and, and I'll, I'll get to that in a second but so so you get all of that happening all at the same time right so that was that was a good one and i mean backroom executive you know board room deals aside i mean i would love to see an mcu where they we didn't have to have killed off quicksilver I think that would have changed the dynamic of so many things. Um, but I can't determine if that would have hindered or or in some way strengthened, you know, the decisions that were put into place for like uh uh WandaVision, you know, adding in like a thing where Pietro's trying to get in or something or or whatever. Like that could have been interesting or something. Um but yeah, I at the end of the day, I don't think I don't know if the actor was real, real keen on even coming back anyway, even with the deals being made without really his involvement in it. So yeah. I, I think he was happy to not have to do it. Yeah, it didn't really seem like he was crazy about it. Honestly, I, I, I think that if I think they could have just had Evan Peters play Quicksilver and. <laughs> oh man. Uh that would have made everyone's day, I think. Because Evan Peter just he just loves it. Uh, I think. I hope. They did they they did him dirty in Dark Phoenix. He gets the whole one scene of him just basically wiping out and wrecking half his body, and that's all he can really that's all he really gets to do. So, you know, that's that was a real shame. Um and kind of a yeah. waste. I mean they, well, they they toasted both of them in that fight, so well. Dark Phoenix was a wreck entirely. So, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's not. They were on par. That's fair. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I I can't even figure out the executive decisions behind Dark Phoenix to be like to understand why on earth this thing was made so badly. But that's uh, a Dark Phoenix conversation. Um. So, so my number one is i'll admit it's kind of basic but there's nothing that quite has to me has quite achieved the level of the first coming together of the avengers in new york city you know that that moment you know the camera swirl and music and all that like boom there's the avengers there's our heroes and then you get this like two and a half minute just wham bam um take out this giant uh alien whale ship thing like it's just freaking nuts and it's great it's just it's a great battle scene 
yeah, that that one is one of, if not the best. I mean, in terms of, I guess, maybe just giant battle scenes, uh, the only reason I don't have this one higher is is the one at, at the end of Endgame, when you've got every hero that has been in phases one, two, and three up to that point coming together to do battle with Thanos. And the only reason that's not all in my top three is okay, so, so a couple of variety of reasons. Um, one is it's one thing for like a small team to come together. It's another when you've got just every single acquaintance you've ever met in the superhero world coming together to to do big battle, right? Like it it stretches the limits of credulity just just a touch. And there there were other some you know hokey kind of bits to it that were just like uh, could have fl- pushed made that flow a little bit better. I feel like plus just the whole it's being a past Thanos thing versus the Thanos that really should have been fighting, who was already dead, doesn't really matter. But I don't know. It lacked to me the emotional uh, catharsis of okay, we finally beat the bad guy. Like okay, yeah, you you did beat the bad guy at the beginning of the movie. Everything else has just been aftermath. Yeah, I I, I was very surprised when they they. Thorium for the head. <laughs> yeah, he did. <laughs> Within 10 minutes, no less. Right? Like, yeah, t- first 10, 15 minutes, we, we, we find the of the Infinity Stones again. We're, we're going to send the, whoever's left into space. We're going to save the world. Oh, we're not going to save the world. Oh, that's that's bad. That's, that's very bad. <laughs> so... I, I mean, it worked. Uh, it just, I don't know. There were elements of it that I think could have been done better. Better, yeah. Yeah, and, like, them them bringing Gamora back along with Thanos, it was like, uh, I, I, I understand why, but, like, you're going to bring her back and not Widow 2, like... Yeah, and, and oh, man... I'm not going to lie. Widow was kind of done dirty in that one. Um, uh, you know, we have this big, the big ending funeral, right? You get, you get for Stark, but you don't get for, for, for Widow and who died to make sure that the rest of you could actually do the rest of this job. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And then like broader scheme thing, right? So you've got, you've got her dead at the end of end game. And then you guys are going to do in origin black widow movie as the start of your phase four sort of kind of like 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 what was the thought process there we could have used this movie six movies back and that had been great yeah i think with her with her movie though they did the best they could with incorporating how it was post endgame yeah and tying it in fairly well with the hawkeye show too right yeah absolutely um and I, I'll admit, I didn't think I would lo- like the Hawkeye show as as much as I did. Like it, it quickly became a, a fast favorite of mine. As as Clint is like having to mentor this relatively uh, inexperienced and absolutely crazy archer to to do superhero things, because uh, he could recognize that she had talent, obviously, but he was just like, okay, fine. I'm trying to clean up this mess, and I guess I'll teach you a couple tricks along the way. Whatever, fine. Come on. 
And, and then I guess a, kind of an honorable mention, the fight scene at the end of Hawkeye when Clint and Elena are fighting on the ice rink. Oh, yeah, yeah, that one, yeah. Very much an on, very good honorable, honorable mention. Um, yeah, emotional depth to it. She, I mean, according to her, it's his fault she's dead. So therefore, it's time to, you know, make him pay. Okay, we're, we're, we're going to go crazy on this one and, and really start hurting. And, you know, at the same time, so he's on the defensive of like, hey, look, I, I don't, I don't want to hurt you. And I'm sorry you're in pain. I lost my best friend. You lost your sister. But it wasn't my fault. She she did her thing. She did her thing. So I mean, yeah, that one was rough. I feel like I feel like an honorable mention, and maybe Shenka's going to cover it in what she adds in in the post here. Uh, another good honorable mention is the Daredevil hallway fight scene in the first season, like episode two or three. I forget. I haven't seen it in a while, but I do remember that scene because it is continuous cut. And just absolutely crazy. Yeah, yeah. Plus that little bit of Daredevil we got in She-Hulk too. That was that was very nice. <laughs> I liked the homage, and then she just like <laughs> threw it. Like, okay, we're gonna get a different hallway fight scene. It's gonna be mostly guys flying rather than uh, a bloody brawl. Um, we'll I'm gonna show. Yeah, uh, I I wonder how far they're gonna take that show with it being disney uh, you know a disney plus show and everything they they're bringing back john barenthal for it so okay i i have high hopes you're gonna put daredevil and the punisher in the same series probably up against kingpin yeah we'll see disney we'll see yeah yeah uh man i i can only hope that they because i mean they're they're showing I mean, they have the Daredevil series on Disney Plus, and it's got all the correct ratings. And I don't believe they've edited it, edited it uh, after the fact to be more in line with uh, Disney's, you know, rules and whatever's. So I'm, I'd have to rewatch it to make sure. But if they are still showing the the Daredevil show as it used to be, then a mature show of of the new daredevil shouldn't be out of the question, especially if you're bringing back Punisher and our Kingpin again. Yeah. Which, which I'm curious about, especially with the end of Hawkeye, how they're right. Yeah. Like if they're just going to go multiverse, I, mm, I would hope not, but at the same time, then, I mean, we were left with an ambiguous ending. Uh, I feel like we would know more if they would release echo season one, um, because that's been in a development hell since three years ago or so. I, I mean, COVID happened, so I understand three years ago, but it's been in a somewhat murky and uh, limbo for a while. And I feel like a lot of answers about what happened at the end of Hawkeye in relation to Echo and the Kingpin would get answered in that if we could just get it. <sighs> Well, um, I think uh, I, I've exhausted my top three and, and several honorable mentions and, and the tangents and everything. Uh, is there anything uh, you got another honorable mention or anything else you'd like to add uh, before we kind of come to an end here? Uh, well, I, I could mention the Shang-Chi bus scene. That, that is 
Right. I have seen at least a I like in passing. I saw it while my brother was watching it. I so I did see that scene. That one is really good. Yeah, that that there's just so much creativity with that one. With with uh, with Shang Chi moving around the bus as as fluidly as he does. That, it, it was just such a nice. Uh, it was just a nice breath of fresh air into the MCU because. It was just such a different style of fight scene than what we're used to, because the closest we've ever really come to that is, I guess, Iron Fist. Woof! And that one's been that one's been knocked around the park for really lack uh, lackadaisical fight scenes. Uh, you know, apparently, like while Finn Jones made a pretty good Danny Rand, he did not make a particularly great fighter. Is what. Is what a lot of critics have said about both seasons, even though he did manage, like, he, he got better with time, is what the overall consensus is. But it wasn't really enough to save the show, as it were. Also, Netflix is, you know, notorious for axing shows one or two seasons after the, <laughs> like, hey, we're going to greenlight this show. No, we're going to kill you. Bye-bye. <laughs> like, regardless of whatever like however many fans or or whatever it's got like eh it didn't meet some imaginary metric that we wanted so bye-bye yeah and honestly the fight choreography wasn't the main reason that iron fist got canned fair yeah (laughs) well all right that does wrap it up about for us i will add whatever Shenko uh sends me to tonight after after our conversation here and then we'll go to a credits so uh, i'm going to say uh, a huge thank you to you penguin and to all of our patrons for helping support the show and i don't have any new reviews at this time but if you are feeling so inclined to leave us a five-star review and write out some nice words please drop that and we'd be more than happy to give that a read here on our in our usual mid-break section. Um, you can find Shanko on her show, The Fight Space. She is the, I believe, the only female-led podcast covering fights in the MMA um, uh, world, as it were. She's doing a fantastic job, really getting out there, meeting the people, shaking hands, rubbing elbows, and all that good stuff. And you can also find me on the Mass Effect Blue Shift playing the dashing human agent Jack Parizo as I solve crime on the Citadel with my intrepid team, or as they like to remind me, as I am a part of the team and not the team leader. <laughs> um, and if you want to just talk to us, you can always hit us up on Twitter uh, or hit the link to the Robots Radio Discord where we've got a channel for the show. I'd be more than happy to talk with people. Uh, having some great conversation actually about top three favorite uh mcu heroes just recently so that was a lot of fun um and then outside of that penguin is there anything you're up to on your end uh not particularly just hanging out in discords really cool cool you can also find him um patroning over on holocron histories and, and on the robots radio discord as well so you can find us all there And on those lovely notes, I think I will bid everyone a fond farewell. Hey, everyone.
everyone, Captain Shanko here. I'm recording this at a later date after our patron chat with Penguin. I want to extend a truly heartfelt thank you to Penguin for his continued support of our show and all the love moving forward. And today's topic of interest for the patron chat is something that is very near and dear to my heart. And I'm looking forward to hearing what Psych and Penguin chatted about in my absence, because this is very much my wheelhouse, and I am very, very, very sad that I did not get the opportunity to join you guys. Uh, unfortunately, real life can get in the way of the things that we want to do sometimes, and it never happens when it's convenient for people. It always happens when you have something you're supposed to be doing which happened to be a podcast, and I apologize. And I just want to say thank you, Psych, for steering the ship. Uh, without further ado, let me just dive right in and talk about a couple of my favorite fight scenes in the MCU. So, I feel that I would be completely remiss to not talk about Captain America the Winter Soldier, the film that I often preach, prate, and lament on and on and on about uh, being so good, and, and for many reasons, and the fight scenes were one of the things that drew me to this film. So if we're going to talk about my favorite fight scenes in general in the MCU, Captain America the Winter Soldier has most of them, but in order to be fair and to give a little bit of a different look, I'm going to talk about a couple different films, so uh, buckle up, guys. So, of course, the first fight that I'm going to bring up is the elevator fight scene in Captain America, The Winter Soldier. I broke down this fight scene for the episode that we did covering uh, this fight, so if you if you wanted to jump back over to the Captain America the Winter Soldier episode to listen to my full breakdown, uh, it's available there for you to listen to, but long story short, during the events of this story, Captain America ends up a fugitive from the law, and S.H.I.E.L.D. sends all of the Strike Commandos after him before he can escape from S.H.I.E.L.D., and unfortunately for them, None of them decided to take Cap's offer of mercy and get out of the elevator. And I am gifted with like two and a half minutes of cinematic masterpiece. This fight was so dynamic. It was close shot. It was intimate. It was personal. You could almost feel every attack as it was happening. And I also loved that the actors were unable to call in the stunt teams because the filming was so close in. So really interesting and really cool. I also loved the behind the scenes interviews, especially with Frank Grillo, because Frank Grillo, as many of you guys know, is a favorite actor of mine and he's also he's currently brown belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu and has boxed since he was a teenager and wrestled all through like his younger years so he's a very accomplished martial artist and in his interview he said that he doesn't feel right when he's not connecting the punches so he was just throwing punches and haymakers in this fight scene which made me laugh a little bit because uh, they all said they were a little bit black and blue after filming this scene so I love that this one 
has those little tidbits of information that you might not often receive. And, and it's also, it drives the plot forward. He knows that he's going to be hunted. It was so insanely well shot. I feel like students in film schools for the next several decades will be studying how to film a fight scene based on this scene in particular. Also from Captain America the Winter Soldier, a couple of honorable mentions before I bring up some of my other favorite fight scenes across the MCU. So of course I am going to highlight the helicarrier fight scene between Captain America and the Winter Soldier, because of course I have to. Also, the highway fight scene between Falcon, Black Widow, Captain America, and the Winter Soldier, as well as Hydra Forces, was an incredibly well-shot dynamic fight scene, and I also really appreciated the close attention to detail when it came to the knife work from one Sebastian Stan. You could tell that he really put in the hours, the stunt team was really impressed with the work that he did, and you know what? So was I, because he did an incredible job. Moving on to what I would consider my second favorite fight scene across the MCU. I am going to name, surprisingly enough, or maybe not so surprisingly, because I did give this movie really, really high praise in our holiday episode, uh, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. We're not going to talk about this film for a while, and it's really a little bit of a shame, but... This one, the, the fight scene that takes place between Chung chi and all of the assassins on the train going through downtown is just such an incredibly amazing fight scene that pays attention to the landscape of the fight as well as the appropriate fighting styles of each of the fighters. So I have said many times in the past that I so appreciate the attention to detail that Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings put into the varied fighting styles within traditional martial arts that they gave each of the fighters that they represented in order to give each fighter their own feel. Um, I think another film that does this really well, like surprisingly, not surprisingly, is Kung Fu Panda. Um, so if you're interested in combat sports and stuff like that, look at how in Kung Fu Panda, they show how characters' body weights and their builds affect their fighting styles. And I think Shang-Chi does that here too. Um, so during this fight scene, he is up against several opponents and he's utilizing an array of Kung Fu techniques that we later learn he learned from his father in order to become some amazing assassin, warrior, king, whatever. And, and so he has this very traditional, very um, disciplined kung fu style. His sister is very snappy, and typically the snappy blitz style movements we're going to associate with either karate or taekwondo, both very elegant styles. To move even more elegant, his mother has the tai chi style. So overall, with this, I think with Shang Chi, the thing that I really appreciated was the attention to detail of the martial arts, and then utilizing those martial arts skills later on within their fight scenes and the big one that pops up is that first one on the bus so good job to that uh that stunt team and the coordinators behind all of that it was really really well done and 
to film a fight scene, especially when trying to pay homage to a real traditional martial art with a basis in reality, it's easy to make things up. It's hard to ask the right questions, and I really think the stunt coordination team for Shang-Chi Legend of the Ten Rings was asking the right questions. Um, I would say after the bus scene, the fight scene in the arena where uh, his sister just absolutely lays him out, cracks me up every single time. I loved watching Wong fight Bronski. That was really, really fun and a really cool callback and a really cool cameo of some characters that are really well loved. So, honorable mentions and kudos goes there too. And if you guys aren't completely tired of hearing me talk, my third and final favorite fight from the MCU is going to go to yet another film that we have not reached yet, and I want to bring it here now because I'm excited to talk about it in the future. I'm definitely going to cover the breakdown of this fight in depth when we get there, but it's going to be Black Widow, Natasha Romanoff versus her sister Yelena in Black Widow, the standalone film, because watching these two sisters duke it out in this apartment, create carnage, and be fairly equal matches for one another was really, really amazing. I have always loved how they've portrayed Black Widow as this absolute, controlled, accurate, deadly assassin with these amazing takedown moves and incredible striking and use of misdirection and sneaky tactics and terrain to make her fights seem like a fight that an international super spy would find herself in. And this match against her sister in the apartment is one of those nitty-gritty really personal fight scenes, and I loved how they incorporated them trash-talking to one another throughout the fight scene, because this is something that you sometimes see in, in professional combat sports, where two of the athletes will start talking to one another while they're, uh, while they're fighting. If anyone wants to hear some really funny examples of that, go look up Kevin Holland. He's probably one of the guys that's best known for that. Uh, really, really funny. He'll just talk crap to his opponent the entire time that he's getting wailed on. And that's what I saw here a little bit, too. They were carrying on a banter with one another, and then at the end of the fight scene, they stop. And you can see that it was, I mean, very deadly and dangerous, but ultimately they were just two sisters that do love each other. They just happen to um, be super spies. Other memorable fight scenes from that film are going to be honestly anything that involves Taskmaster. I absolutely loved when we got to see Taskmaster reviewing footage of the Avengers and learning all of their skill sets and emulating the Black Widow and learning on the fly because that's what that character is about. And I've always been drawn to characters who were excellent with combatives. I hope next month that I am able to join Psych and Penguin in person for our next patron chat, and I'm so, so looking forward to it, and I wish I'd been there to chat pony, talk shop, 
about fighting and fight scenes with the boys for the patron chat. But again, thank you, Psych, for holding down the fort. You are amazing. And with that, really, that's all I have for my favorite fight scenes in the MCU. So, night, everyone. As we all know, when it comes to making a movie, there are a lot of people working behind the scenes to make that movie magic happen. And it is no different when making a podcast. Welcome to the credit section of the MCU Lorecast. Captain Shanko and I would like to personally thank the following for their incredibly hard work and faith in us to get this podcast rolling. Tom, the head of the Robots Radio Network, for hosting and mentoring. In 7 Legend of the Mass Effect Lorecast for inspiration. Genesis and Vervada of the Two Girls One Ship podcast for introducing us. Let's Not, a fellow tabletop gamer and friend for the amazing artwork. Pipe Men, a veteran and friend for the outstanding music. Our significant others for believing in and supporting us through this. And you, our fans without whom this would be a vanity project. Let us know how we're doing by leaving us a review on Apple or a rating on Spotify. And, to quote Stan the Man, enough said. Ever wanted to be a content creator but had no clue where to begin? Come join me as I sit down with content creators that have already faced the challenges you're up against as they discuss the tips and tricks that help them be successful. Here on The Content Creator's Guide, available wherever podcasts can be found.